This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Also, if you're listening to me on our warning radio shortwave program or watching on social media, welcome. We're in a college chapel here at World Ministries International. It is a live audience. And I'm speaking tonight on the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to give a little summary of the seven feasts very quickly. The spring feasts are Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. All seven feasts point toward Jesus Christ. The first four have literally come to pass. Our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior has already fulfilled them. Passover, he is our Passover lamb. We don't need to kill a lamb any longer. Unleavened bread, he deals with sin. We're supposed to take that time of the year and especially focus on sin in our life. Uh, The Orthodox Jews, they'll take a toothpick and make sure all of the leaven is out of their house. First fruits. Jesus rose from the dead. He has fulfilled resurrection. That's why we're not afraid to die. He rose from the dead. Pentecost, the power of God, the power of God. We're not supposed to try to represent him on earth as his ambassador without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, half of the church doesn't even believe in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the baptism. And they go around, obviously, weak and ineffective, dysfunctional. They're like a bull that became a steer. Their horns have been cut off. They're neutered and they can't reproduce. Because they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And daily baptized. Where we get stronger and stronger. Not something 20 years ago and you're a dead swamp. Trumpets. Now this is the fall feast. Under the feast season of tabernacles, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. What's trumpets? The book of Revelation. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And the dead in Christ will rise. And you have the seven trumpets. The angels blowing the trumpets. And that's what it talks about. The voice of God, the might of God, spiritual warfare. And we're in spiritual warfare, aren't we? All of us. They're trying to topple the Republic of the United States of America. They're trying to bring tyranny across the whole world. We're in warfare right now. Atonement. We need to fast. We need to pray. Deals with sin. Deals with the horn of our salvation. That's what it said in the Old Testament. The horn of our, the power of God. The horn of our salvation. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. God's power. Goes into trials, healing, and deliverance. We're all going to continue to face this more and more. Tabernacles, the fulfillment of the return of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. 
We did mention that, again, the Gregorian calendar is a sun or solar calendar. The Jewish calendar is a moon or lunar calendar. The solar calendar is 11 and a quarter days longer than the lunar calendar. That's why every year the seasons, the holidays of God fall on different months. One year they're in September, another year they're in October. And that's how it goes each and every year because there's 11 and a quarter days different. Okay, tabernacles. The last feast that God gave the Hebrews to observe was the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Ingathering because it was at the end of the harvest season and the Feast of Booths. So these were the names for tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Booths because the Hebrews slept in booths or shelters during the feast. Exodus 23, 16 and Deuteronomy 16, 16. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the final ingathering of the harvest. God had blessed the people with for the year. This was ingathering, harvesting. The fruit of the land had been reaped so the people could now rest from their harvest labors. Any farmer knows that once they harvest their crops, now they can rest for a season until they start it all over again. Therefore, it's a time of great rejoicing. Because the fruit of the land has been reaped. The people can now rest and it's a time of rejoicing. It was such a joyous occasion that the Jew said that the person who had not been to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles just did not know what rejoicing was all about. You know, when we celebrated it here in our ministry, took a week off, celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, lived in tents, we had a lot of fun. All day, games and fun and food, fellowshipping with, with our wives, with our family, with our children, with one another, every night meetings. Wow. Now sometimes people grumble and complain if you have more than one meeting a week, more than prayer on Saturday. Woo. Repent. Get your spirit right. Get your heart right. God wants us to be ready to serve him and willing to serve him and wanting to serve him or attend his spiritual feast whenever he calls. Because the Feast of Tabernacles was of the last of the seven feasts. It completed the religious season. The number seven in the Bible represents completion. We learn from this that the Feast of Tabernacles represented the completed, finished work of God in both this present age, which we live, and the lives of individual Christians. Thus, it corresponds to the seventh step in our walk with God to reach spiritual maturity and rest in our souls. The more mature we become, the more we can rest in our souls, right? Soul, will, mind, emotion. The more immature we are, the more every little thing gets us all upset and we're just all messed up, sometimes for days. The more mature we are, we can give it to the Lord and rest. You know, there's a saying in Kenya, akuna matata, and we just let it flow. Hey, take it easy, son. Hang loose. That's what they'd say in Hawaii, hang loose. Now, this is not the same as sinless perfection. We will never achieve this until Jesus returns. But we can give our trials, our burdens, our worries, our concerns to Jesus. We don't have to get all messed up because somebody looked at us wrong or said something wrong or they've been just wrong. They've treated us wrong maybe for years. But come on, pray for them. Don't curse them out. It is, however, a level of maturity which can grow whereby we have learned to rest in God for who he is and be content in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. 
Be content in God in whatever circumstances. The Apostle Paul recognized this condition in his own life. He was not perfect, but he had matured to a place of resting in God. We know the Apostle Paul wasn't perfect, but yet he knew how to rest in the middle of all the horrible trials he went through, and they were bad. He wrote of this work of God in his life to the Philippians and said, not that I have attained already or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which is Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and <coughs> reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know however to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whether he is going for a celebration or whether he is going for a tribulation, Paul learned to rest in God and be content. If only Christians could do that instead of all of the mess they cause themselves and others around them. And they do. They do. They get others depressed and everything else. Historical background. <clears throat> God gave the Jews concerning the Feast of Tar Tabernacles instructions. Leviticus says, if you want to read all seven feasts, they're found in the book of Leviticus chapter 23. But 33 through 36 verses of chapter 23 of Leviticus speak to the children of Israel saying the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation you should do no work. For seven days you shall offer an offering made of fire to the Lord. <clears throat> the Lord wants us to be flames of fire, doesn't he? On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall offer an offering made by the fire to the Lord. And it shall be a sacred assembly and you shall do no work on it. God repeats this command. He says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest. On the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day of the fruit of the trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, willows of the brook. You shall rejoice before the Lord, your God, for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. Now I'm reading from verses 39 to 43. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generation may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You can read that portion also in Numbers 29. Native Israelites, God did not want the Hebrews to forget what he had done for them, bringing them out of the Exodus. And they wandered the wilderness because of their unbelief, their pride, their prejudice, their stubbornness, their familiarity with Moses because of their pride and stubbornness. So they suffered needlessly for 40 years. How much do we suffer because of our stubbornness? Amen is a good thing to say, probably for everybody. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles had two aspects associated with it. First, it looked back to the 40 years when the Jews wandered in the wilderness, desert living in shelters or tabernacles. 
They were always to be reminded that the wandering of their forefathers were brought about by unbelief and disobedience. But they were only temporary. Yet during their wanderings, God was in their midst, providing for their every need, eventually brought them into the land of rest. He promised them. We wander around so much because of our own unbelief and disobedience, isn't it? Unbelief, huh? And disobedience. To what? The word of God. Instead of we take it on ourselves, instead of we get mad with other people because of things they did to us, and we cause ourselves a lot of suffering, depression, and those around us. Man, before you judge somebody else, judge yourself. As a constant reminder, God commanded the Hebrews to build booths or shelters to live in during this feast. So every year at the Feast of Tabernacles, the Hebrews would go gather the necessary wood and branches and build a shelter in which they would live during the feast. But the Feast of Tabernacles also had a forward look. This shelter was loosely constructed so the Hebrews could see through its roof to heaven. We shouldn't have such mansions on earth that we cannot see heaven or we don't live for heaven. We're just happy in our little mansion or big mansion. This would remind them that they were pilgrims passing through. Some people don't act like a pilgrim. You know, they die so rich. But what are you going to do with all your riches? You ain't taking it with you. There's no hearse filled with a safe filled with your billions of dollars. You leave it for other people and usually selfish offspring. Some of them never knew how to work a day in their life, but now they have your money, eat, drink, and be merry, become the prodigal son or daughter. Because you did not spend it on the kingdom of God. No, you left it for your selfish little children or big children, let's say, who doesn't know how to use it for God. They just use it for themselves. Are you calling yourself a wise person? I don't think so. What's yours geared for? You can answer that yourself. The final rest was the hope of their ancestor, Abraham. <clears throat> See, God had a greater purpose than just to live on earth. He had a greater rest in the future than even to rest on earth. He's talking about our eternal rest. The writer of Hebrews referred to this and said, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he had received an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going to go. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. Abraham was always already looking far beyond land on earth. He was looking forward to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's true apostolic. That's a true leader looking beyond just what is on earth. Boy, I live for eternity. I live for eternity. I breathe for eternity. I was talking to Apostle Daphne, Daphne Nyla, and uh, telling her that my concern is God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I don't care for man's acclaim. I don't care for these things. I don't care if you love me or hate me. I don't care. You look at my ministry. I've spoken the truth, and you cannot deny it. I've spoken the truth, like it or not. In front of your faces. One day I'm going to give an account to the deeds done in the body. And I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. That's what I live for. Eternity. Jesus Christ is the tabernacle and dwelling place of God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of God. John 1.14. Colossians 2.9. And God dwells in our midst through Jesus Christ. Matthew 18.20. 
Jesus will ultimately fulfill the Feast of Tabernacles at his second coming. At his second coming. That's why this time of the year is so important to remember. The fall feasts have not yet come to pass. Jesus hasn't returned. The trumpets of the Lord haven't blown. The book of Revelation hasn't started. It's very close. This COVID nonsense trying to put tyranny around the world is ushering us closer. And one day there will be a literal mark of the beast. And if you find it just uh, so easy and convenient to take the vaccination now, you're going to find it easy and convenient to take the mark of the beast. Jesus will ultimately fulfill the Feast of Tabernacles at his second coming. There will be a literal rest for planet Earth and all its inhabitants. Until then, we can know his rest in our souls. Our souls will mind and emotions. How is your, how's your emotions when things don't go your way? How's your emotions? Just ask your spouse. They'll tell you how your emotions are. Yeah, up and down like a clown, like a jack-in-the-box. Where, where are they at? They're supposed to be steady as a rock, not up and down. God wants us to bring our emotions under control like Jesus did and fell asleep in the middle of the storm in the sea. One occasion, Jesus said, come to me all the... You are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. If you find the troubles of life and what you're facing with family or friends too much, just read Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 30 and start to learn to rest in God. Can you rest in God or can you just talk about the things of God? You know, there's a saying, a cliche, talk is cheap. Can you walk this truth out? Can you rest in the middle of a storm? Do you know what tabernacles and resting in God is all about? Jesus claimed that we could find rest in God through, through him. Many Christians seek God's rest by working for God or trying to get something from God. But God, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is our rest. Not getting something from God. Jesus doesn't give us life. He is our life. Jesus is our life. Intimacy with the Father. Intimacy. Jesus doesn't give us life. He is our life. He is our health. He doesn't give us the fruit and gifts of the Spirit. He is the fruit and gifts of the Spirit. That's why he said, go tarry and don't try to do this without me in you. You cannot speak the truth to other people. You cannot Cast out demons. You cannot heal a sick unless I am flowing through you. People say, hey, Father God, save America. Father God isn't saving America. You save America. You're the ambassador of Jesus Christ. He's not coming to save America to the battle of Armageddon. And you can pray until you die or end up in a concentration camp. He is not saving you or America. You are saving America as his ambassador or we're going to suffer instead. Evil men will rule if you don't put in righteous leaders. If you don't confront evil men, they will persecute you. That's why we're supposed to rise up and stop this tyranny. Stop the tyranny in Washington State with Jay Inslee, the governor. Inslee, you're going to give an account unto God one day. Stop the tyranny with Biden working against the Constitution and Bill of Rights. President Biden, you're nothing but a pathological liar because he is. His track record shows it. And men and women of God should not be afraid to confront leaders, governors or presidents. Many Christians never enter God's rest because they're seeking things from Jesus rather than Jesus himself. 
They seek blessings rather than the blesser. Jesus doesn't give us blessings. He himself is our blessing. He is all that we could ever need, want, or hope for. He is our rest. His rest is available for us when we allow him to fully dwell in our midst as Lord and master of our soul. There are two Jewish rituals associated with the Feast of Tabernacles. Now listen closely. Dramatically illustrated the difference between seeking from God rather than seeking God. One, the first was the ritual of the pouring of water. This took place in the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. This was called Hebrew Hosanna, Rabbah, which means day of great Hosanna. This Hebrew phrase translates into English, save now. The day of the great Hosanna was the day when the Jews would pray particularly for God's salvation through the Messiah. The ritual of pouring water had both a physical and a spiritual significance. The rainy season was about to begin and the Jews needed rain to soften the ground for plowing. In view of this, they made a special Thanksgiving offering to God for rain in advance that he was going to send it. The spiritual significance, as just mentioned, pointed to the coming of the Messiah who would give them the living water of life, of the Spirit. As part of the ritual proceeded, a certain priest would draw water from the pool of Shalom. With a golden pitcher, he would then come to the altar at the tabernacle where the high priest would take the pitcher, pour the water into a basin at the foot of the altar. As this was taking place, the priests blew their trumpets and the Levites and all people waved palm branches while singing from Psalms 113 through 118. About this time, the water was being poured. They were singing, save now, pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalms 118, 25 through 26. This was the most joyous of the celebration of pouring of water was the most joyous moment of the day. Jesus was there to keep the feast in obedience to the law. Just as the fervor of the celebration reached its peak of pouring of water, Jesus makes a bold declaration. John was an eyewitness to it and he wrote, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus told him at the feast, I am that living water. I am the Messiah. Look to me, Jesus was saying. I am that great Hosanna. I am your salvation. I will give the living water of the Holy Spirit to all who will receive me at the tabernacle of God. The other ritual was the lighting of the temple. Tens of thousands of pilgrims who had come to Jerusalem to keep the feast crowded to the temple area, each carrying a lighted torch. The entire city was illuminated for miles. This too had a physical and spiritual significance. Plenty of sunshine was needed along with the rain to have a successful agricultural season. The Jews thanked God for the sun that was necessary for life and harvest. They also acknowledged that God was a true light, Psalms 27, 1, who would give them spiritual life through the Messiah. We're supposed to be, as Christians, that light by the thousands and the millions to light up our nations, our cities, our states, the world. We're supposed to be that. We're supposed to bring tabernacles into the heart of man as we introduce them to Jesus Christ. It was during this occasion that Jesus made another bold declaration and statement that it, John records in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me 
shall not walk in darkness, but have a light of life. Jesus was telling them at this feast, I am the Messiah. At both of these special festival events, Jesus proclaimed a clear and powerful way that he was the reality to which they pointed. He had come to satisfy their spiritual thirst and to give them spiritual life. Yet they rejected him. They rejected him for two reasons. The first season, they loved the religious rituals and traditions more than they love God. We love our own selves, our games, our movies, our baseball, football, whatever we love more than God. And we do. We say mentally, I love God, but our life shows who we really love. Second, they were more interested in what God could do for them politically, deliver them from Rome, than what he could do for them spiritually, deliver them from sin. Some people just want God to be their little puppet. Gimme, 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 gimme. And God is supposed to jump. Instead of being a servant of God. To serve God. To lay down your life as a living sacrifice. So you can have eternal life. The result has been that they missed the rest Jesus offered them. And have been restless wanderers for 2,000 years. Not only as a people, but in their souls as well. The rest for our souls today is in our future rest. It comes in Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Accept him today so you can know rest because trouble is coming. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.